I envision Purgatory being narrated by Hubie Brown. He's like he's on like billboards in 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 malls all over the country. For what though? Again? Just like because he's cute. Welcome to another late night edition of Basket Sprawl. I got here with me, trusty Justin Moser, yet again, here to recap what we thought of night one of the NBA and what we think is going to happen in the season. Justin, pleasure to have you again. Thank you for having me. It was a very exciting first night of uh, the NBA. I feel like we saw at least four of the probably top four, four to six teams in the NBA this year. So very exciting. Yeah, definitely. And Steph looked incredible. That was my, my, my big thing. I mean, I know his MVP odds are probably not good. And I would never pick him. I'm just really excited for... KD to leave the Warriors and Steph to be all alone again, but I'm I'm way I'm getting way ahead of myself. Let's start with the Sixers and the Celtics. Uh, what do we think of those teams? What do we think of uh, you know Hayward, Kyrie, the whole Celtics unit? It's going to look more like that, and we got a good preview of uh, both those teams. I know Saric was in a little more foul trouble than uh, than you know he'll, he'll get in, but we got a pretty good look at the Sixers and the Celtics. What do you think? Well, uh, as I've said to you before, I am worried about the Celtics being as good as people think they are because of injuries. It's not like Kyrie Irving has really been a dependable player all his career, and we all saw, unfortunately, Gordon Hayward's leg snap last year. That being said, I'm not ready to eat my words, but Gordon Hayward and Kyrie when combined 6 of 26 from the field tonight, and the Celtics still won by 18 points against what I think might be the most talented team in the Eastern Conference in the 76ers. I think they're top two guys, Embiid and Simmons, you could put up against anybody. Simmons had an incredible night. Uh, you know, I, I I was impressed. I was really impressed. You know, I think Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA. He's proven that time and time again. He's probably going to win the award this year, I would think. But, man, the depth in their team is amazing. Uh, Marcus Morris had a double-double off the bench. Mm. So, like, it, they're just good in production. Remember, and last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you go, Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, my guy who I've been calling for years, had a plus minus of 22. And how many minutes? Not a lot. Not a lot. And the next half was 11. Yeah, I mean, well, he's just got loads of heart, you know? I love Scary Terry. You can't coach heart. No, I I pretty much agree verbatim. Uh, The thing that stood out about the Celtics is it really looks like they took off. uh, They, uh, you know, right where they left off, I should say. it really we didn't even mentioned the best player on the court tonight in that game. Oh yeah, I'm getting to my guy Tatum. Jason Tatum, uh, you could just see is already taking the next step. It, even if it's just the fact that he looks like a measured pro, right? He, he, what you could see the rookie jitters last year. They seem to be completely gone. You know, small sample size, sure, but he winked at Joel Embiid after he he, he uh, cooked his ass. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he didn't he call bank, it. but yeah. he did cook him. Uh, but yeah, so Jason Tatum was really impressive. You know, obviously Kyrie had one of his worst shooting nights of, in his life. They said on the broadcast it was the first time he hadn't made a basket in the first half since 2014. Truly outrageous. Yeah. Although, but you know, that just strengthens my argument for, not my argument, but I just really think the Celtics are a really tough win, right? I, I'm saying... It's going to be hard to beat the Celtics this year if you're any team because you're right about the depth, right? They just have so many weapons. And the thing that, uh, you know, with Morris 
showing up so hard, that just shows me that they're just truly unselfish. And they get the ball to where the right shot is. And it turned out to be Morris that took those shots tonight. And um, they fed him. And that unselfishness mixed with that constant, I want it more than you type of aggressiveness on offense and defense, I think is going to make for an incredibly tough team to beat night in, night out, especially on their home floor. I mean, their ceiling is like... uh, uh, way, way higher than they showed tonight, and they still dusted a very formidable Sixers team. So, Fultz was pretty cool. I mean, Fultz was pretty good. Uh, yeah, he looked decent, and I guess, you know, it's interesting. It's just the first game of the season, but the amount of stories in this game were pretty amazing. I mean, you've got two quote-unquote comebacks. You know, shout-out to Gordon Hayward for coming back. Like, he, he played pretty well. Like, he, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't anything special, but he made four baskets. You know, he had... Four steals, which is amazing. I don't even really remember Gordon Hayward being like a, a defensive genius, but that's really impressive. And four steals is a lot. Four steals is a lot of steals for a game. Uh, sorry, I know you brought I brought up Fultz, but I just thought like there's a relationship there with the uh, sure, know, kinda, yeah. You know, Fultz like didn't know how to forgot how to shoot the ball last year, and he came in. He played 24 minutes. The Celtics, the Sixers before this game decidedly said that you know he's our future. We need him to get start getting minutes. Um, he actually has the worst plus minus on the team, which is interesting. Eh. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not gonna read in too much, but I just I just noticing that he actually was the worst player on their team. But well, nowhere to go but up. Right, yeah. but he didn't but he didn't but he didn't look terrible. He looked like no, he belonged he, out there, he yeah. could pass the ball and um, I think Charles Barkley, who I don't always listen to for basketball advice, had an interesting point. He said Ben Simmons is a star and he doesn't have to shoot, but Marco Fultz is going to have to shoot to be a star. And that's like a really interesting difference between the two of them where Simmons gets it done with his passing ability, with his vision, with his ability to drive to the, to the basket and make everyone better. But it really seems like in order for Fultz to be a standout and to bring the Sixers into a team that can contend for the Eastern Conference against the Celtics, he needs to shoot the ball better. Yeah, well said. I think that's, that's pretty spot on. I, um... Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see Fultz grow. He definitely looked way more confident, you know, even in the small, you know, I know it's just one game, but, you know, he was pulling up and, and seeing him finish that incredible no-look pass from Simmons, you know, got to give you, got to get you excited. Uh, gets me excited. And uh, I thought it was a great first game. It really went to show me how um, grown up the Celtics team looks, even though they're so young. They just seem to play... They seem to have reached that level of basketball where the unselfishness is there on offense and defense, and it's such a number one uh, priority to get everyone involved and to make sure that like help defense is always there. Those are always the good things I like to see in in teams, and and it, you know I I wasn't really surprised tonight, and uh, you know Kyrie's probably never going to shoot that bad again. But love the haircut. Uh, I know our friend Noah's out on it, but I love the new do, Kyrie. If you're listening. So let's transition right then, if you don't mind, into the uh, into the Warriors game. Warriors game just ended. Um, they beat the Thunder by eight. Uh, they Thunder made a pretty impressive comeback in the beginning of the third quarter, uh, uh, spurred by Paul George just becoming the Human Torch himself. I think he just hit like four threes in a row at one point. Um, but yeah, so the Thunder really impressed me. Um, I think they're uh, built for. You know, small ball, athletic lineups, uh, high energy. They theoretically should be able to uh, to score much better once Russell Westbrook gets on the court. But I think Schroeder really opens this team up in a way Mello 
you know, just really couldn't. Uh, you know, that might be an unfair comparison, but because one's a ball handler and one's more or less a spot-up guy. But I was just really encouraged to see the fight in the Thunder. Uh, but that, you know, Steph was Steph. Clay had a terrible, terrible game. And KD was KD. But, what's, you know, what, what was shown to me in that game was the Thunder's effort. Yeah, well, I think I think the Thunder actually looked like a very formidable defensive team, which is kind of and and they were last year. They were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA last year. I don't remember what they were like. I think a top five defense, but they didn't have Roberson out there, who's their best defender. He's still hurt. Um, and you're talking about a brand new point guard who, all things considered, is underside who who got his uh, career high in rebounds tonight. So yeah. you're right. I think I think it's a combination of effort and uh, and defense, but. If, just to continue going on the Oklahoma City Thunder, Paul George started the game like one of seven, I think, from the field, and really wasn't until that third quarter we scored 15 points that they were back in it. Um, it really felt like it was. It feels like like even with Westbrook, they're probably missing a shooter. Like when George was like looking for somebody in the fourth quarter, you didn't really feel like there was anybody that you could really rely on, and you know when that's Westbrook, he's going to drive, and he's every now and then going to look to pass it to Paul George. That doesn't really seem like the makings of a team. And, and just to harken back to what you're saying about the Celtics, it's not just that they're unselfish, it's that their team's made correctly mm. to be unselfish. That's a good point. Right? Like, like the Thunder don't really have the necessary pieces to be unselfish because you're not really going to put it in the hands of... Apparently, Tony Ferguson scored, played 27 minutes tonight. Eesh. He had zero points. He had, he had a plus-minus of even, so that's incredible. But, like... He made zero impact in the game, as far as I know. I didn't even, I couldn't even told you his name until after the box score. Um, but they really, I was impressed with their effort, and I think they're definitely going to be there in the Western Conference. But you know, unless Westbrook has another level, like a quadruple double average or something like that, I don't really see them them taking any further uh, than than they have in the past. But you know, Noel played twelve minutes. He had seven rebounds, so he's an interesting addition. Jeremy Grant's still athletic as hell. Um, it just seems like they need like another piece, and maybe they'll get that somewhere in the middle of the season. But like as it stands right now, you know the Warriors, as you pointed out, Clay Thompson had played awful, and they still won by eight. Yeah, he he left at least fifteen points of wide open threes that he usually would smack. Right, you know he just missed them. So yeah, this game would have been a blowout. He was one right? of eight from three, so he actually left twenty one points on the bo- on the on the court tonight, which is yeah. unlike him. And you could see him frustrated, but like. It's the Warriors, and you know they're going to work it out. Well, another thing that was kind of interesting was people thought that Green was going to have a, a bad game or maybe not even play because he's been coming off an injury, didn't get a full uh, preseason in. He, still, he had 13 rebounds, five assists, three steals. He's, as usual, productive on every part of, of the court. Um, it's, it's so weird talking about them because, like, yeah, but they also have, like, Durant and Curry, who are MVPs, and they did exactly yeah. what you'd expect them to. Yeah, Durant, like, ultra-quiet 27 But he always six. is. Like, even yeah. when he was the finals MVP two years in a row, like, he quietly gets 30 points, and you're like, oh, he has 30 points now. Yeah, it, it is surprising when he misses. Truly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to, you know, your favorite guy, KD, and the Warriors. I mean, yeah, I mean, all right, well, if if you're trying to move on, the last thing I'll say is, like, yeah, the Warriors won. We're expecting them to win the championship again. Like, I love the basketballs back, but I can't get as excited as you do for Steph Curry making threes or the Warriors winning because, like, they should and they're going to and such is the NBA for for the last two years. All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough with the sob story. Okay. Let's go on to a little interesting uh, category I want to discuss with you. Um, really wish 
Our friend Noah was here on the pod, so he can give his two cents. Shout out Noah, making his way in Chicago. Whoop, whoop. But I want to know what you think about the best commentators in the NBA going today. Mm -hmm. You know, listening to Chris Webber, um, you know, not know what was going on until a couple minutes after every major interaction today really made me think, I watch a lot of the NBA and a lot of the games, and during a lot of those games, I complain about the commentating. So, I've got a little list here, just off the top of my head, of some commentators and color guys, play-by-play guys. I want to know, who would your dream team be, and uh, who do you hate? You don't even have to say who you hate, but I got Marv Albert, Reggie Miller, Chris Webber, Hubie Brown, Kevin Harlan, Mike Breen, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, and I put Doris Burke on there because I just love when Doris Burke does play-by-play. You don't need to caveat Doris Burke. I'm just caveating her because I don't think she is like a, I don't think she gets the equal amount of the time the other guys do. I mentioned commentating games. I met Doris Burke last year actually at NBA All Star Weekend and hung out with her for like 25 minutes. She was as nice as you could ever imagine, and she's my number one pick. She's my number one pick too. She's my number one pick. I I think I might. Pick Marv Albert second because he's losing his mind, and I find it hilarious when he like mm. doesn't know what quarter it is or like says the wrong guy scored a basket. Uh, if you pay attention on NBA Reddit, they're they're always keeping track of when he makes a mistake, and it's always hilarious. So I'd love to see her professionalism and like watch her like slowly lose her mind as Kevin Albert just keeps saying the wrong thing Mar- over. Yeah. Sorry, Marv Albert keeps saying the wrong thing over and over again. Yo, he did shout out Gucci Mane's real name today in the broadcast, so, you know, I don't know if that supports him losing his mind or like it's kind <laughs> of endearing when old white men try to act gangster. Oh, totally. Remember Kraft last year with uh who's Kraft on the sideline? What rapper was the owner of the Patriots on the sideline with during the postseason. I don't last remember, year. but I believe you. Yeah, yeah. Well, interestingly, oh, like man. it's not it's not always endearing when white people in general try to act gangster, but old white men, pretty funny, I think. Well, Marv Albert certainly. I I think I like Kevin Harlan. And Mike Breen's bang call is you know. I want that to play at my wedding when, like, I smash the glass. Yeah. Well, you know? know what's interesting about these now that now that I'm you're saying them out loud. Like, Mike Breen is great, but he's always paired with Mark Jackson, who's one of the worst commentators in my opinion. Right, because him and Jeff just spend the whole time complaining. And but then... I love Jeff. What's What's weird about Jeff is like I love his shtick, but it almost seems like he's been doing his shtick for so long that I I'm liking it less. Hmm. He's always there to like rag on some part of the NBA that's like bothering him and it's funny but now it's been like so many years of that that I don't I feel like I I like him less than I used to well I'll tell you this I've got you know I watch a ton of you know highlight videos from people that gather highlights and uh something I notice whenever it's a Mark Jackson Jeff Van Gundy game like for instance take the that February game from two years ago where Steph like hit that big shot versus OKC and then he shimmied and it was that classic game all the commentating from that game, because it's Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, it's all complaining and stuff unrelated, watching the highlight right. video. And it's, you know, that's not choice for me. No, me but, neither. Uh, sometimes, but sometimes Jeff is hilarious. Sure, sure. I, I have to give a special shout out to Reggie Miller. I actually think he's kind of underrated. And fairly, he gets criticized for being just like dreadfully annoying sometimes. Yeah. But his uh, excitement when Steph is cooking or James Harden is cooking is probably like my favorite 
guy getting excited okay. talking about basketball. So I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I actually totally. really liked Reggie Miller when he first became a com- commentator. Then I started actually listening to him, and it's it's awful. He's he's so corny. It's like it's like I love the he, even like the character that he played in Uncle Drew was like so specifically purposely corny. It's like he. He is that person in real life, and it's it's, you know, save that for like the guys that didn't actually play basketball that made them made it onto the you know onto the commentating booth. Basketball players themselves should have some more swag, not not Reggie Miller. Yeah, but the thing about his corniness is he's so corny, like through and through, and that's what makes what you know because all these guys get corny, but it's like when Reggie gets corny, it's like oh, that's just like Reggie Miller being yeah. a cornball. I don't. I, oh, you you have your dis- disagree opinion. to yeah, agree. Disagree Shout to agree. Oh yeah, Hoops yeah. and Bruce. Yeah, yeah. No, you listen. You have every right. Reggie Miller is annoying. And you know, I get the, it. the greatest purposely corny person on earth is Drake. Drake. Yeah, he just wants to be liked so much that he's corny all the time, and it's endearing. I mean, it's not, it hasn't been a great look over this summer, though, right? You mean with the the child? With thing? the you know he you know he hid the child. He claims he was hiding the world from his kid. Yeah, but that doesn't that he still he still was endearing previously. Yeah, I know. We love passion fruit for sure. Anyway, got a little sidetracked there off Drizzy Drake. Unfortunately, Toronto did not play tonight, or else we could probably talk about him a little more. But before we get out of this commentating discussion, I have to give a special shout out to my guy, Hubie Brown, for being the most obvious. Like I envision purgatory being narrated by Hubie Brown, like how he does games. Like He'll talk about a guy's mechanics at the free throw line, you know, for 10 minutes after a free throw. Okay, I'm doing a bad job representing. Are you shouting him out because you don't like him then? I spend a lot of time acting like Hubie Brown when I describe things. Like, I just got a salad and it has the appropriate amount of ranch dressing. And when I put the ranch dressing in, I spin it up a little bit in the salad. And I want it exactly the proportions I like because I grew up liking the salad with the proportions how I like the proportions. This is podcast gold. This is Hubie Brown describing anything he's very obvious and on the nose and he'll just say it 10 times like i'm describing hubie brown this is a very meta shout out i suppose but uh i just had to get that in there um anyone else i think we actually did a little blurb about every single guy in name. well what one the one person that we heard tonight chris weber that we didn't actually talk about one thing that i think is a little noticeable is i feel like he has certain dislikes of players in the league mm. like every now and then you kind of hear him say something about a guy and you're like does he not like him well or it's like, like he tries that? to cloak these backhanded compliments but it's like yeah it's clear but, but he's also like overly complimentary of other people so it's like we it's like weird and very telling when he's like a little different he just never comes off real to me yeah which you is know? straight which is unfortunate because he was one of my favorite players when he played I mean, he didn't partake in the Fab Five documentary, and it, yeah, I've been off on him since then. Yeah, well, honestly. you were too young when he was playing in the league, though. He no, no, I, I liked him. I'm a sack king like Chris Webber. That's a old ludicrous line that I liked a lot. So, no, I like Chris Webber. It's just, you know, my dad calls him, Patrick Ewing, all, you know, losers. And, you know, I think that stuck a little bit because they lost. Interestingly enough, never describe Barkley like that because he just loved his assholishness, but I'm getting besides the point. He has other accolades to his name. The round mound of rebound. All right, you want to move on? Sure. All right, I got, uh, before we keep going, I want to 
get your thoughts on the new rules the NBA has implemented this year. I'll give you a brief overview, and uh, I just want to uh, let's chop it up about it. First thing, and this is probably the most important one, but it's uh, the shot clock will reset to 14 seconds after every offensive rebound. So, um, whoa, yeah, it, it's definitely. It's a cool. It's an interesting change. Did you did you read anything about why that that change was made? Uh, briefly, the biggest thing is just to speed the game up any way they can. How's that speed the game up? The ball gets turned over. It's just you don't have twenty four seconds. You can't reset all the way now after an offensive rebound. Um, let's see. Oh, so it used to be twenty four, and now it's fourteen. Yes, I was thinking. I misheard you. I was thinking that the shot clock kept going. You're saying it hits the rim. It hits the rim. It hits the rim, and then you get a rebound. Okay. It, it goes the it goes the 14, 14 like a like a kickball or something. Okay, or something I like that. that. Yeah, and it's just to speed the game up. Um, yeah, I I, I I guess I like it. I mean, I, I have no problem with no that problem rule. With it, yeah. It's gonna be interesting to me to try to see, and this is why I'm saying it now. Try to predict like the. The implication or the results, the the unforeseen consequences of a rule like this, and I can't really see one right now. I guess the thing I see is maybe like looser, like a more hurried offense after the offensive rebound. Although fourteen seconds is a long time, I don't really see any any big change. Yeah. Uh, the second rule is a simpler, clear path foul definition. So apparently what used to go down is you, um, the refs used to be able to make more of a judgment call. And now there's like lined out uh, specifications for a, for a clear path. Like the ball's ahead of the tip of the circle in the backcourt. No defenders ahead of the offensive player with the transition. Uh, with the transition scoring opportunity, the player with the transition scoring opportunity is in control of the ball and the foul deprives the team of an opportunity to score. The list of prerequisites needed to call a clear path foul now makes it less of a judgment call, a more of a call reinforced by a set of laws. So this is all from SB Nation when they were, uh, uh, you know, writing articles about the new rules. Um, yeah, I mean, anything, I think any rule that makes it more clear is going to be better for the league in general. So, and what is no longer considered a clear path foul is if the, you know, when someone's, if someone, you know, is in shooting motion, you foul them and it's a clear path. If it's a shooting foul, it's not a clear path foul. I think it's just a shooting foul. Um, and now, if any player is ahead of the, the, the scoring player, I guess... Well, yeah, well, then they wouldn't have a clear path. If it's it's a, it says in past seasons, referees made judgment calls to determine if the defender ahead of the play was in position to influence the transition scoring opportunity. So I guess they're just cracking down on, on the clear path foul. I mean, I guess we saw one today that was highly questionable. So, like, when Schroeder fouled staff. No, we weren't sure that he touched him. But then once, once we saw that he did, it was like, all right. Right, all right. It was just, it, what's, one thing that's confusing about clear path is, I think, the intent of the defender or the, the player that makes the foul because on that one in particular shooter didn't look like he was really trying to stop him it was more like maybe he was trying to catch up to him yeah so that, that was that's why that's why it was a little hazy tonight well and it's like i really actually like the clear path rule because something i do in rec leagues is if someone's ahead of the break and our team is like you know not hustling i'll just foul right away to stop the break because that's like a it's kind of bush league 
and I'm not too proud of it, but it's a strategic well, play because yeah, you don't get penalized it's good for strategy, it. Good strategy, right? In the NBA, that is that should be completely penalized. I mean, it should be penalized in my league too. But it, it, it well, it's a foul. It's cool to see under Silver that like they're never content, even though their product is so impeccable and it's the best out of the big three for me. To me, it, you know, they still are really trying to. Yeah, he's great. The game. He's great. And the last one is expanded definition of a hostile act. Uh, this one is to determine the appropriate penalty for players or coaches if they in, are involved in hostile encounters with each other, referees, or fans. I think this rule is was... That, is that because there were so many technicals called last year? I think this was the ref first player uh, severed relationship or however I hear it on SportsCenter sometimes. Okay. But, but yeah, I think this was... Um, this rule was, it, it is going to be implemented to try to... Write that ship, I guess. So, is it what is it? Do you have a definition there? Like, how is it more clear? It says no further explanation was given, but if things get messy during a game, officials will be taking their time to determine the proper course of action. Okay. Uh, what does that mean? They're not. They're just not going to like put a T together so early. They're going to think about it and then put a T together. Well, what it's saying is the hostile act. The de- uh, the definition of it has been broadened. So, like. Now I guess more things will be under the umbrella of a hostile act, so you don't have to determine whether something's a flagrant one or a flagrant two, and if it, hmm. I guess, qualifies this new hostile act. Okay, well I've just, never heard that term before. It'll so. be simpler. Me either, but I'm sure we're into info, you know, about to hear it way more. Well, that was a kind of a boring segment, but if you're still with us, we're gonna get back into uh, some more topical stuff, like. I want to talk about the top four teams of each conference and, and, and who we think is going to be atop each conference by the end of the season. Maybe who's going to be playing uh, for that spot in the championship this year. Um, I think Nat, I think instead of you know going through the East and the West and going through every team and getting stuck on some sort of over-under conversation, maybe we'll just you know talk about the talk about who we think is really a leg up this year and uh, you know maybe who's right on the cusp of being those great teams of the conference. So okay. I'll let you take it. Um, I guess I'll start with the East. Because th- in my opinion, I think the East is a lock for who the top four teams are. All right, let me hear it. I would say it's this, in no particular order. It's the Celtics, the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Sixers. Hmm. I, just, I just really don't see any of those teams, uh, be not, like any other team in the East, East being better than them. Um, I, I'd say that maybe, and you'll tell me that, the controversial pick there is the Bucks, but I think with a new coach, uh, Giannis is the MVP favorite actually this year. I think that I think the Bucks could even be the three seed this year. So I think those are my team. And then anyway, you know, maybe I don't know if you want me to just explain more. I think there's people kind of understand why the Celtics and the Sixers after the this podcast, and then the Raptors. I'm I'm hoping and expecting Kawhi to return to form, and that Raptors team was real solid anyway before uh, they lost their head coach and. DeMar DeRozan, so I think they'll continue to be a force in that conference. I, I mean, I don't know why I thought I could argue. I, I guess the only team maybe that could squeak in there is the Pacers if they have some sort of repeat of last year's success, but that's gonna, I think that's going to mean a step up from guys like Turner. and. Um, I guess maybe, I'm sure some people might, might think the Wizards. Some people definitely might but think like, the Wizards. You know, they've been, it's one of the, it's, the Wizards, I, I just thought of this take, but the Wizards sort of feel like the Clippers of old. Mm. We're like, 
how many times can you run back DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and Chris Paul and have it not work? Obviously, the Wizards were never at that talent level, but it does kind of seem like some combination of Wall, Beal, and the pieces around them. I love Otto Porter, but like he really hasn't taken that next step yet. Yeah. Like, how many more times are you going to run this team back before you blow it up? Because it's clearly not working. Yeah, yeah. That's a totally fair point. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. The Wizards are probably more of a dark horse there because they do have all the talent this year. And, you know, no matter how you feel about Dwight, I think he had a relatively bounce back. I like, I like Dwight year. Howard as like a player. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm excited. Scott Brooks is also still their coach, and he's not a good coach. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, And we're going to get to sleepers after this segment, sleeper team. So let's just go to the West. I think it's a little more complicated conversation there. Um, Of course, you got uh, the Warriors and Rockets. Um, I guess you'd say the Thunder when healthy, right? I'm letting you take this, and I'll. Okay, okay. Um, And then as far as the fourth spot goes, it's pretty wide open. Um, I guess I, I kind of like the Jazz just because they're such a, um, you know, they're just kind of an old school team and I like their coach and they have a bunch of cool pieces, you know, to borrow your phrasing, they're a well put together team and, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell's going to be a little better and yeah, I, I, I guess I, I'll probably say... I'll probably say the Jazz only because I don't know about the Lakers' young talent. I'd like to say the Lakers, um, and I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs on like a lot of people that I hear. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I guess it's. I guess I'd say the Jazz just because it's the the equation is is proven more than the I, Lakers. I actually am going to knock the Thunder out of my top four, keep the other, the other three, and slot in the Pelicans. I, you know, Anthony Davis throughout his career has been an injury risk, but last year I think he played the most games of, of any season yeah. of his career. And the year before and that, he, he was good. So, too. so he's on the rise in terms of his, his uh, durability, and they've never had a better team around him, ever, in his, in his whole time in New Orleans. Drew Holiday took a huge step up. I think he was like a top 25 fantasy player in the draft this year. Yeah. Nikola Mirotic, who, as a longtime Bulls fan, like, I once thought he was going to be an all star, then after that, didn't want him on our team. Like, he actually looked really good for them in the in the later half of the season when he was actually on the Pelicans. They picked up Julius Randle this year, who I've always really liked his back-to-the-basket kind of bulldog game. Um, they've got some pieces, and Anthony Davis himself c- could be the MVP, if not if not Giannis. So, I think if AD is the MVP, then they definitely have a... They're going to be the four seed, you know, probably, if he's the MVP. That probably means that they've won that much. So yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. So oh, and they got and they got Alfred Payton, who not a, is not a great point guard, but like he'll definitely be a serviceable backup on that team, no question. Um, I like I like their team, and uh, that's really just me betting on Anthony Davis. It's really funny because I, I, the way I recall coming into last season when everyone was really high on the Timberwolves, it was like who's better, Towns or Davis, and. Every Hoops and Brews podcast that went on, I was like, that's ridiculous. Anthony Davis is definitely still way better than Carlton Towns. People would laugh at that statement this year. Anthony Davis is like a top... Oh, man. He's a, t- he, he's, he's a top five NBA player. I mean, he, he, he can mix it up with Durant and Curry any day. He's just got to and he's one of the there. he's one of the rare players that like on any given night he's undoubtedly the best player yeah, I mean, in the NBA. Do you remember like, when he, he took on the men. Warriors... Three years ago, by himself and like won a game or two in in the in the first yeah, they round. Swept that was wild. Portland. He just swept Portland last year. Yeah. Well, 
He had a lot of help from Doctor Strange, Rondo, and uh, yeah, and Drew, but and uh, but <laughs> Drew yeah. Holland. Well, I was actually gonna say I'm not as big a fan of Portland as maybe some. I, I obviously think they're talented, but their defense is just absolute garbage. So was not surprised to see that happen. But yeah, it, like proof proof right there that. Um, I agree with all your takes. I think that the Thunder are definitely going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a good team. As we saw, their defense, their defense has been great. But I, I could just see Anthony Davis taking the West by storm this year. I would love to see that because he's on a fantasy team of mine. Um, and you know, and the one other team that I want to comment on because we obviously think the the Warriors and the uh, and the Rockets. and the Rockets are going to be there. The Jazz are really interesting. People thought last year was a rebuilding year for them. They lost Hayward, Don Mitchell. You know, some may say was the rookie of the year, despite Ben Simmons winning. He and was, he was definitely among the rookie class, the rookie of the year. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, for sure. Um, Gobert is like an an all 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 time uh, def- defensive center right now. Ricky Rubio's solid piece. Joe Ingles is is an incredible three point shooter. He took a huge step up. I think Derek Favors actually kind of regressed, but he's 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 a really formidable uh, power forward. So their team seems really deep and. Much like in the Eastern Conference with Brad Stevens being such a good coach, I think Quinn Snyder is very closely or, or maybe replicably the Brad Stevens of the Western Conference. So he alone could probably get his team into 50-plus wins, I think. Much meaner looking, though. Oh, yeah. He, he looks look, terrifying. He looks way meaner. Um, yeah, I, I guess... Is this the least talented team that's going to be a top five team in the West? Yeah, yeah, probably. I but mean, like, or is that underrating Donovan Mitchell? Like, could Donovan Mitchell be a top ten NBA player? This well, the year? thing is, like, my my argument is always systems. Like, I, I'm I'm a guy that argues for Clay staying on the Warriors because his best version of himself is only with that kind of system. In the same way, I think Donovan Mitchell just lucked out and went to the perfect system for his type of skill set. And they need exactly that type of player, and they need him to go as much as he goes. So, you know, it's just, uh, I, I just think it's, you know, kind of a perfect marriage. And I would love to see Grayson Allen, like, be a great second unit guy for this team. And you like, like him? I love Grayson Allen. Why? Because he's just a baby, dude. Yeah, I, there's no real good reason. I've, I, you know, I, I, I go in it ebbs and like, flows. He looks like Ted Cruz. You don't love Ted Cruz? Fuck out of here. All right. Um, sign up. Yo, midterm election's coming up, by the way. Anyway. Look at this picture. Yeah, no, I know he looks like Ted Cruz. That's not That's not a hot... That's not a new take. No, I, it's not. But, like, no, I don't like him. I don't know. He trips guys. He, he cries on the bench. Um, and I think... Look, they actually met, too. I think he's going to get really humbled and uh, hopefully be a great member of the team. I don't know. I have, like, a rational... Relationships I mean, I, I, with guys I, I, who stay in college more than two years. I'm sorry. Right. Well, I, I actually would more rather that Quinn Snyder kicks his ass, and that would be more. That'd be better. I'm pretty sure Quinn Snyder earlier this week said Grayson Allen will get some playing time if like he hustles back on defense. Great, call him out now. I might be mistaking the coach and the player, but who cares? That sounds right. I think he would do that. So I guess we got our four teams uh, more or less down again. I I might take the I might take Utah out and put. The Lakers in there. I think I should show the King a little more respect. If, if I if I may, just because the Western Conference is way more exciting than the Eastern Conference, I think a team that didn't make the, the playoffs that certainly will and maybe could vie for a top spot is the Nuggets. Ah, let's, yeah, okay. I, I yeah, I love their roster. The, pull up, pull up the. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, obviously, they've got the Joker, my man Nikola Jokic. He is 
a revelation at that position. His passing ability is is just he's just so unbelievable. And then like they have like three guards, guards slash small forwards who were incredible. You got Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton. Any of those guys could put twenty points on the floor. Paul Millsap missed like a third of the season last year. He can put up twenty points. I think it's going to be really hard for a lot of teams in the West to keep up with them. Yeah, you know what? There are a couple teams in this league. What jumped to mind? The Celtics, the the Raptors. If Isaiah Thomas on their team, apparently, like yeah. I don't know what he's going to do, but like he's he used to be great. But yeah, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., um, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, not Isaiah Thomas. If you take Isaiah Thomas out, they can go small. They can go big. The only thing is with Jokic. Let's see if he can take a step up on the. Uh, defensive end and try to be more of an enforcer at the rim. Yeah, he's not good on, on defense. Get a little more boards. He's he's one he's a top like five scorer, really, in my opinion, in the NBA. He he's unbelievable what he can do around the basket. And and not only that, because he's such a versatile scorer, it's really his passing out of that position that makes him his o- passing over, is over the, the top. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm I'm definitely super excited for this Nuggets team. I think they got a steal with Michael Porter, um, as as high as they did in the draft. I think Gary Harris is gonna play better and be healthier this year. And uh, yeah, I think they're, I mean they they're pretty deep and they're they're pretty skilled and they're pretty built to go small. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for that team a lot. So now, if you don't mind, I want to move on to the next section and. Uh, that would be sleeper teams to make the playoffs. Um, so, I was just hearing Chuck in the post game talking about, you know, how he thinks Dallas might make the playoffs. I guess we'll stay in the West. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I don't think Dallas is quite strong enough and doesn't really have the pedigree yet. But you know, I de- am definitely excited for Doncic, and I definitely think they can be very good. But um, yeah, I. Uh, I don't really see the Mavericks as a realistic sleeper to make the playoffs. I don't really see the Grizzlies being a sleeper either. Um, but it's I, another one of those are running. They're running back the same team, and they're both their best players had pretty big injuries last year. I just think if they don't trade Gasol and Conley, like they probably should, um, that team's gonna be a pretty tough beat. And I'm out here repping McCall Bridges till the grave because. I think that guy is NBA ready like crazy, and I think he's gonna super overperform as a rookie. I know nothing about him. He's from Villanova. He was anyway. I really like him in Memphis. I guess I'm just kind of biding my time because I didn't prep well for this question. But I guess my final answer will be the Clippers. Can you pull up the Clippers lineup for me real quick? I think the Clippers are are in better shape than. So that, yeah, I, Lou Williams, Tobias Harris. They suffer from not having a star on their team. Gallinari, Avery Bradley, Patrick Beverly. I, I, they just have Luka Baamute too, huh? huh? Yeah, I guess, I guess I just see them being a rugged team and, and, and a tough and I don't, a tough I don't believe your tone that you actually think. I don't really believe play. it either. I guess I took a flyer. The best player on their team is Tobias Harris, but they have like a bunch of guys who are like, on the wrong side of their prime. Yeah, yeah. Who no, are all formidable, good NBA players, but, you know, Gallo can't stand the court. Gortat has just been going downhill for years now. But you he love did. Gortat. No, I don't. Oh. Was, I don't love him anymore. I did love him until last year. He was just like a, a non-factor. 
Yeah, I don't think this team is very good. So who would you, who would your sleeper be? Then? Well, I already. I mean, the Nuggets did not make the playoffs last year. So if the Nuggets, yeah. so I guess I guess if we're just talking like bubble teams in the West, I think it's probably going to be somewhere between the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, and the Spurs. Um, that seems about right. I think it's possible that the Spurs don't make the playoffs. DeRozan is certainly not the player that Kawhi was. Marcus Aldridge, similarly, is on the wrong side of his prime. He had a comeback year last year, but DeJounte Murray being out for the season, their backup Derek White being out for some considerable time. I believe in Pop until, until, I, until I can't, but I'm not sure the Spurs are going to make it, and I feel like the Blazers have enough talent coming back this year that they'll probably make it in again. So it's going to be somebody's got to get, get knocked out, and I think it's probably the Nuggets in place of the Spurs and then uh, the Lakers in place of the Timberwolves. Did the Timberwolves make the playoffs last year? They did. Okay, yeah. Well, then, yeah, that, there, there you go. So I don't think the, the Timberwolves, my pick is for the Timberwolves and the Spurs not to make the playoffs and the Lakers and Nuggets to replace them in the West. Much, much better and grounded pick than mine. Great. Yeah, fuck the Clippers. Okay. And in the East, um, I think there are a couple nominees here, and they are the Hornets, the Cavs? No, 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 not the Cavs. The Bulls? Looks, it's almost like we should like eliminate who's not going to make it first. So eight teams make it, right? So yeah. the Hawks are not going to make it. Correct. The Hornets... Okay, wait. Let's, let's skip them. The Hawks are not going to make it. The, the Magic Net, are not going to make it. The Nets, the Nets are not going to make the it. Knicks. The Knicks are not going to make it. So that, that leaves us with 11 teams. Yes. So if we can eliminate three more teams. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's right there. The Bulls, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Pistons... Yeah. So it's going to be one of those. One of those teams. It's, it's, I'd love for it to be the Bulls. I really don't think it's going to be the Bulls. My heart tells me it will be, but... It'll probably be the Hornets or the Pistons. It would take Jabari Parker having like an all-star season. Which he's really never even shown capable of, he let did alone... his first season before he tore his ACL, but yeah. He can't... I don't know if he moves that well laterally yet, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'd probably say the Pistons. I I don't know. I, I feel like for the East, they're they're better than they should be. Um, you know, they're better on paper. There's something about Blake that doesn't really seem to be working. Didn't work last year. I know he started off real hot and he got, you know, he went through a couple injury problems. But there's no reason Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, and Drummond shouldn't do work in in the East. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I probably pick. I'd probably pick the Pistons out of those four. I'm comfortable with that. I, I don't see I don't see the Cavs doing it. I'm a huge Kevin Love fan, but I don't like the aging pieces around him. It really seemed like that was a failed experiment with signing George Hill and Rodney Hood last year, and I really don't see either of them taking a step forward this year at all. So I don't think the Cavs are in. So the Cavs are out in place of the Pistons, and then I guess all the other teams are going to run it back, right? Yeah. I mean, the Hornets are the one we're not – I mean – I love Kemba Walker, and like I guess the only reason you'd say that, in my opinion, they make because the because it's a depleted conference. I don't think and the Batum, Hornets. And Batum is healthy, might be healthy the whole year this year. Um, yeah, I mean Miles Bridges is a great pick in the draft. It's it's just it's so boring. It's a talking lot. About this I, I guess so. It's a lot of talent though, man. I mean Monk had a miserable season last year. He's gonna be better. You have an incredible vet with real championship pedigree with Tony Parker. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I like this team. I think they're probably more talented on the surface than, than definitely the Cavs and the, and the Bulls. 
Yeah. All right, yeah, let's move sure, on. Sure, eighth seed then. Well, it'll be one of those four teams. So, I have here a list of MVP odds that were updated uh, October 16th. Is that today? I think that's today. And so, I heard you say Giannis, you thought was the number one favorite for MVP. Yeah. It's actually LeBron, LeBron James. LeBron, yeah. At plus 333. And this is all on Odd Shark. Um, LeBron is the number one favorite, plus 33. Anthony Davis, number two, at plus 450. Giannis, three at five to one. James Harden, six and a half to one. Kawhi, nine and a half to one. Durant, 10 to one. Steph Curry, 12 to one. Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving, 15 to one. Russ, 16 to one. Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, both 25 to one. And then it kind of falls off. Victor Oladipo is 66 to one. Okay, I like that for some reason. But uh, yeah, what do you who what do you think of well, those? Well, I, I think what's interesting about those odds is, to me, it almost doesn't sound like who's gonna be the best player as so much as like what's the best story for the league this year. For the longest time, I mean, LeBron was robbed of MVP for so many years in this league because there was voter fatigue. But now that LeBron's on the Lakers with a new team. I kind of understand why he's the favorite to win. Um, if they even if they if they make the playoffs and are you know a top four seed, it'd be hard not to give LeBron uh, the MVP considering where that team was last year. But I'm going with my guy Giannis. I think he's the I think he's primed to be have a have an absolute breakout season. I mean, last year he averaged like 27, 10, 3. Or like five, three, and three, like just stupid, yeah. like stupid number. I think that's only going to go up. I think his three point shooting is going to improve. I think the Bucks, as I said earlier in this podcast, are going to be a top four team in the East. So that's I think fifty wins and yeah. So I, 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 don't, I, see, I think Giannis is going to win the MVP. I, I love that. Yeah, that's a great bet. Five to one. You got good money there. Should we bet on it. Uh, probably not. I think the best money though is Kawhi is nine and a half to one. I mean, if that team is a one seed or a two seed. You have to think he's putting up 25, you know, mm. 7 and 7. And, and if they are the one seed, it's going to be tough. You know, he, if Kawhi dominates the East, he, he could very, like, very, you, you very know, likely win the MVP. I don't know if this is a hot take. I just haven't heard anyone say it. But it's a shame that Dwayne Casey's not the coach there. Because he's a great coach and he has a new star player to mess around with. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I would How many times has... A pl- MVP of the league had a brand new coach on their team. That just seems like an unlikely pairing to me. I'll tell you one, Steve Kerr. Did Steph win the year that Kerr was that? Yeah, that's. I mean, but yes. You're... Any other examples? I I think LeBron and Eric Spolstra that first year maybe, and maybe Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. But I don't know if he won it that year. But okay. again, I'm. I'm willing to be wrong. I just think no. It seems I don't. Like th- I don't think you're wrong. I'm, I'm coming up with extreme outliers. Yeah, because like, as you were saying earlier, like how important systems are to the NBA, and who who's their coach? Nick Nurse, is that right? Yes. Like I, I don't remember where he's from or what his system is like, so I couldn't really tell you how Kawhi's gonna fit in. All I know is two years ago when Kawhi was in the NBA, he was an MVP candidate. He was Defensive Player of the Year. And and what really held him back was that he was in the West and and he kept you know he lost to Steph Curry. Oh, but he also had Popovich. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. I don't know how, how much of his success you can accredit to the best coach in NBA history, in my opinion, being his coach. For the record, the best coach in NBA history is Terry Rozier, but mm. I understand what you're saying. No, that that's a really good point. 
Um, yeah, you know, it was weird. I thought they'd either fire Dwayne Casey or trade DeMar. I didn't think they'd do both. So I'm with you. It is, it is a little unfortunate. But um, what, where is Casey now? He's the magic coach, I think. Ugh. Anyway, I like hey, your maybe pick. He, maybe he's what they need to turn him around. I like your pick of uh, Giannis. He's the Pistons coach. Oh, there we go. There, yeah. Well, then, yeah. I'm, then Pistons definitely are going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. Let's go Casey. Let's go Pistons. I, I'm going to go with AD for all the reasons you said earlier. I think it might be his time. And I think if they really overperform, I think the precedent was set two years ago with Westbrook winning an MVP without winning 50 games. I think if they're... I think if he plays in, you know, 75-plus games, 70 games, and he improves again... Yeah. Well, but... And, and so I know I said that earlier about, about AD, and I think that's a good pick. The only thing I'd say about the difference between Giannis and, and Davis is I see Giannis carrying his team to a four-seed, and I see Anthony Davis leading his team with the help of other very solid players around him. I mean, yeah. Bledsoe is the second best player on the Bucks, and I think Middleton, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. We'll see if he stays healthy for the year. Last year was kind of a, a weird one for him because he didn't play that much. But um, yeah, I can just kind of see Giannis like having more of like a take him on my put him on my back. Yeah, season and, than, and he'll probably bring the ball up a little. You know, yeah, he yeah he's gonna be the primary bar, ball handler a lot. So yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm looking for, you know, underrated thing. I'm looking for his assist to go up, Giannis. I think that's a real... And I think it will with the pace going up, like everyone says it will, mm-hmm. with uh, Budenholzer. Um, all right, let's uh, segue over to the Rookie of the Year uh, predictions and odds. And um, I'll just let you know. Luka Doncic, plus 333, is the number one favorite going in. DeAndre Ayton, plus 375, so he's right behind him. Colin Sexton is 5-1. to one. Kevin Knox seven and a half to one, and then you have Marvin Bagley eleven to one, Trey Young eleven to one, Wendell Carter eleven to one, uh, Jaron Jackson twelve to one, and then Mo Bamba and Michael Porter Jr. are both twenty four to one. Then it just gets more. Dante Divincenzo is fifty five to one, but Grayson Allen, your boy, ninety to one. So, you know, um, I don't, I don't really watch college basketball. Um, I did once catch. A glance of DeAndre Ayton could not believe how large he was when I was watching a college game. It was really remarkable. So I'm excited to see him play. And uh, I did, I did, I did watch a bunch of Luka Doncic highlights from the Euro League on Reddit, and he does look really good. So I wouldn't be surprised if those guys were one too. And hmm, the league's just not really a big man league at this point. So I'd be surprised if if, if Ayton won it. So I'm gonna go with Doncic. And say, I'm sorry, but I just don't know anything about any of the other rookies. I think the best value is probably Kevin Knox, a 7.5 to 1 with the Knicks. I think Kevin Knox is going to have a really cool year because he's going to get a lot more, uh, you know, ball time than than a lot of these other guys because his star player is out, right? Chris Dass might not come back the whole season. Um, and I just think... It, that team's going to tank. And, like, a good method of tanking is give the ball to the rookies. And I guess that'd be the argument for Trey Young with the Hawks. But, um, I don't know. I don't see Trey Young being see, I, I, I a was successful rookie. I, I, see, I've heard you say this before. Kevin Knox isn't even a starter on the Knicks. So, like, I just don't think that's a good pick based on their depth. I think he'll start by the end. Like, I think he'll get in the like, starting Like, you line. know that Doncic is going to start and you know that Aiden's going to start, right? So I guess so. I'm just saying the best value. 
I'd probably pick Doncic to win, but I'm saying seven and a half to one, just like Kawhi at nine and a half well, to one. So is like, if, the best if, value. so nobody knew Don Mitchell was gonna be this good last year, but we could have looked at their depth chart and been like, this guy's got a shot because he's gonna play. So who else is actually gonna play? Because I, I I don't I don't know. Even though I'm just looking at a depth chart, I haven't watched the Knicks in preseason. I don't know that Kevin Knox based on what's in front of me, is actually going to play the amount of minutes you are. Maybe there is a rookie out there who was a top draft pick who's actually going to be a guy with the ball in their hands quite often. Trey Young, I think, is somebody who you said is going to get the ball in, yeah. in, in Atlanta quite often. Yeah, he will. I just think he's going to turn off a lot of voters because I, you know, I think he's going to shoot under 50%, and, and I think he's going to be kind of inefficient this year. But He's so ugly and small, too. Okay, okay. The guy weighs as much as I do, and he's like four inches taller than me. The hair is the situation on that on that man. He just he just doesn't look like an NBA player. Anyway, so you so you, who so who's your pick for rookie of the year? You're just gonna say Doncic. I'm gonna go with Doncic. I'm gonna go Doncic too. I think he's gonna be sensational. I think he's gonna get. I think he's gonna reinvent Lob City a little bit in Dallas with DJ. Um, I really like, uh, you know, the inverse you know treat. Even though he's the shooting guard and Dennis Smith is the point guard, I like Doncic being like a primary ball handler. You got some real co- cool previews of them two working together in the preseason. I saw Doncic throw Dennis Smith Jr. an oop, which was you know cool and not surprising. So, yeah, I'm excited for him. He he he's got that superior IQ with the great shot, and uh, I think if he works really hard, he'd be a good defender too. And he's deceptively big. You know, he's a small six eight, but uh, yeah, I love Doncic. I'm, I'm just like grimacing because Dennis Smith Jr. shot 39 percent from the field last year, and he's gonna have less pressure on him this year with Doncic. I think his field goal percentage is actually gonna skyrocket. So. Yeah, I think Doncic. Okay. And Doncic is one of these the only players, like, not only in the rookie class, but kind of in the league that is kind of built to make other guys better. Like, his game is built to find you if you're open, is built to, um, you know, do, make the right basketball play. So he's kind of built to make, make guys better around him, and I always like guys like that. Um, so to close out the pod, a little NBA preview and a little... Uh, Nightcap on, on, on the first night of the NBA. Uh, I'm going to start a new segment, and it's called Justin Case. And uh, it's Justin's best case scenario on any given situation. And seeing as this is the first one, I'm going to give it very broad. And trusty Justin, my question for you is, what is your best case scenario for how the NBA season pans out this year? That's a great question, Sam. Thank you very much. I think... The best case scenario is that the Warriors somehow don't make it to the finals. Uh, I I think at this point it's a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are going to make it there. And something that I am eager to see is, is a more competitive NBA, which I think has been lacking for years since Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. I was on pins and needles last year during Game 7 when it seemed like maybe the Rockets were going to beat them even though I didn't think they were actually going to beat them because I wanted to be proven wrong that my despair and dismay with the NBA and like, hey, you always know the Warriors are going to win. Thank you for giving me the floor to say this because I just think the best thing for the NBA and for fans of the NBA is for someone else to win the title. Um, In the past, I kind of wanted to be LeBron because it sort of seemed like it was like LeBron versus the Warriors. Like that was the thing. But now he's on the Eastern Conference by choice. So... Um, you know, I don't really care if it's an Eastern Conference team to win, but I would just really like for the competitiveness of the NBA for 
the Warriors to lose and then for Kevin Durant to leave and to be a bitch again because he's like, oh, now that we lost, I guess I can go somewhere else. And So you, you're not opposed to KD leaving? I don't think he's going to leave. I think it'll be silly. Especially because like, we've heard he might go to the Knicks. The Knicks are a garbage organization. He's going to the Knicks. Oh, he's going. I would, I would put money on it. He's not going to the Knicks. Five dollars right Five here. Five dollars here on the. the this show. is a handshake. A handshake was shaken, um, but I think he's going to the Knicks. So thank you for giving me the time to say that. But I, I really do think that the best thing for the NBA is for the Warriors not to win the championship. That is no shade at the Warriors. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. I've even come around Draymond Green. It's just Kevin Durant's a bitch, and he ruined the competitiveness <laughs> in the NBA. And uh, you know we could we could use we could use some of that. So who dethrones them in, in your best who, case? Who do I world? actually think is going to win? No, no, no. Who do you if you if it was your choice in your in your scenario? Who would knock them out? Would it would it be LeBron in the second round or Houston in the conference finals? I think I would love to see the Pelicans knock out the <clears throat> knock out the Warriors. I know you laugh because it's silly because it's never going to happen because the Warriors are stacked and stupid. The Kevin Durant's on their team, which is like AD by himself. No, we we established earlier in this podcast. Miritich right. is good. Randall's pretty and good. Miritich. Drew Holiday was a stud last year in the playoffs. Like no one was expecting that from him. That being said, that's not going to happen. I'm telling you, they, yo, if the Pelicans beat the Warriors, watch AD join the Warriors the next year. I hope so. What? No, I'm kidding. Right. Um, but uh, but and, and then in reality though, I want the Bucks to win the championship. Hmm. I want Giannis to win the championship. He's the seems like the. Most humble player in all of the NBA, and the Bucks have great in-game entertainment. So the more Bucks games, the better on <laughs> NBA League Pass. Um. Anyway, Justin, any closing statements? Anything of your like? Um, we didn't get to talk about it earlier on the podcast, but fantasy basketball is exciting. Sam and I have a a team together. Uh, work in progress. Name right now are the Sustin Bright Bozers. Yeah. Definitely work in progress uh, with the name. It's kinda, I kind of like it, but it's just our names combined. We have a really stacked team. It was an auction draft, which neither of us had done before. But we have like six current All-Stars on our team and like two past ones, which is kind of wild. Yeah, um, and completely unexpected, our main core. Guys. Right. Well, we want, so we really want to call Anthony Towns because he's just a, a fantasy dynamo. I mean... His lack of defense in real games doesn't really get reflected in his statistics. Right. So we got him. We have Chris Paul. We have other point guard John Wall, which is just crazy that we have. We're gonna just dominate assists. We have yes. Marcus Saul basically coming off our bench in our in our utility slot. How do we get Marcus Saul? Uh, and we got Blake Griffin for thirteen dollars. Yeah. That like, that was a steal. Even he, though he was only valued. Even at if six- he plays half the season, thirteen dollars is just an incredible value for him. And then. We pretty much got everyone else for what we for the value we wanted. Um, that being said, I'm in two other fantasy leagues this year. I'm going from one to three. I've never been in so many fantasy basketball leagues. I'm kind of nervous about it because I have to pay attention to so many. But I'm in this one league where I've been really competitive two years in a row. Boogie went down last year. And this year, my team is super exciting. I have Kawhi Leonard, who I'm hoping for a bounce-back team, Clay Thompson. I took Paul George with my second pick over Ben Simmons, which I might be kicking myself all year, but... The league values three-pointers, three-point percentage, and double-doubles, which is not a common statistic. So I figured Paul George helps me in two of those categories, whereas Ben Simmons actually helps you in one of those and hurts you in the other two. Sure. Um, and no, a questionable call, but yeah, it is one questionable, with conviction. But, but, but Paul George is going to rack up steals and threes, and you know, hopefully that will work out for me. And then also Clay Thompson and my guy who showed out tonight, Jason Tatum. Yeah. I think he, he must have been my... Third round pick. I think Clay was my fourth round pick. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, it's gonna be, it's just gonna be a really fun season. Uh, I'm well, really that excited. Team would just destroy. Yeah. Everybody. No. It, it, it like Kawhi, Clay. It, I mean, sometimes you look at your fantasy team and you hope it's gonna be good, but you know it's gonna be fun to watch, and that's why like I'm really excited. I also have Bledsoe on that team. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's anyway. It's gonna be it's gonna be really fun, and Sam and I are managing a team together, so I'm sure we'll talk about that. <clears throat> It's our first year in this league with a lot of people who are veterans. This auction thing, I think we're gonna win. I'd, I'd be shocked if our team we're didn't coming come in hot in like the top three. We listen just for all the millions of listeners out there. Justin and I crafted our own algorithms for this auction draft, and uh, we got value on every pick except one, and that one was Carl Anthony Towns. And we allotted money in our system to overspend on him. So. We're just really proud of ourselves for follow, making a system and following through with it. Um, hit us up with some donations if you want some strategy for next year's uh, analytics for fantasy basketball. Not giving out my algorithm? Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Shout out Harlan the Corgi. The, the, the Harlan the Corgi has been all over malls in, in, malls. in America. All over right? the country, yes. He's just been spotted, huge poster. What is he even... He's like he's on like billboards in, in, in malls all over the country. For what though, again? Just like, because he's cute. It just says, this is who we're following, and then it has his pictures with my silly captions on them. Wow. So shout out Harlan the Corgi. Shout out Hoops and Brews. Give him a like and a follow. And uh, go subscribe to their YouTube page. Uh, anything else to plug, Justin? Um, no, basketball's back. We should be recording more regularly, I would think. Yes, totally. Um, Happy day. Good. Thank you for... It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good day. Basketball's back. All right. Um, see you on the Flipper Dimes. No. I just got a salad, and it has the appropriate amount of ranch dressing. And when I put the ranch dressing in, I spin it up a little bit in the salad, and I want it exactly the proportions I like because I grew up liking the salad with the proportions how I like the proportions. Ginobili!